I certainly loved him. I, I thought he was an amazing character. He wasn't really for me, but I absolutely loved his talent. I liked his style. What I didn't like, but in fact I did like to a degree, was he was a party person. He wanted to be a pop star. The whole movement at the time was music. Music was a dominant force. Cottage industries were popping up everywhere. And his style and his amazing cut, which nobody has been able to do since him for me, relaxed everything and became easier to dance in and, uh, and have a lot of fun, I think. I am Susie Menkes, and you are listening to my podcast, Creative Conversations. As a journalist reporting on the global fashion industry, I want to take you backstage and give you an insight into my world. Listen to my exclusive conversations with creatives, industry leaders, and those whose voices have some of the greatest impact. I think you might find it interesting and maybe intriguing. It's more than half a century since fashion designer Ozzie Clark and his wife, textile designer Celia Bertwell, together formed fashion history. It was the moment when the short, sharp 1960s slithered into the next decade. His trouser suit of 1964 predated Saint Laurent's The Smoking by two years. In fact, Yves Saint Laurent would frequent the Ozzie Clark fashion shows, as did Mick Jagger and John Lennon, with Yoko Ono, alongside key figures of the swinging London heyday. The artistic couple worked together in London, married, had a family, but then separated before Ozzy's untimely death. Yet the mirror image of that era lives on, not least with Celia's new fabric designs. Now the duo has been brought together again for an exhibition of the Ozzy Clark era. Mr. and Mrs. Clark, Ozzy Clark and Celia Bertwell, Fashion and Prince, 1965, to 74, which is their golden era. It's on display at the Museo del Sotto in Prato, Italy. Federico Berletti, the curator, has worked with the avid enthusiast and Aussie collector Lauren Lapierre to open the exhibition. Running for four months, the exhibition brings the Aussie Clark era to life and then it will travel to Milan to Carla Sozzani's foundation at 10 Corso Como. And who better to talk? about the languorous and otherworldly period and working with one of the most important designers in British fashion than Celia Bertwell herself. I just had to track her down in Shropshire. It's so nice to see you and I mean I feel so proud for you that you have kept up the things that you do in the fashion world over such a length of time and what you've been doing recently is just looks so fresh and desirable, and I hope you yourself feel as pleased as we all do. Well, I love doing what I do, and I think that shows. And I'm very lucky to be here. I've been around as long as you, possibly longer. <laughs> we don't talk about that, but um, I've seen and I follow fashion continually. I always have loved it, and I think it shows, and uh, I'm very happy to still be designing. It's very good for my brain. It keeps me together. You know, we're here now to talk about you as Celia Bertwell, but also we're talking about Ozzy Clark, your husband in your early years. And 
he's no longer with us and your feelings must be perhaps bittersweet. I wanted to ask you, with your youthful relationship that brought the two of you together and your children and then the separation and the sad loss, but as a designer yourself, you have had really quite a happy time and it's interesting that now there's an exhibition coming out that's putting you as the star. How do you feel about that now at your age? Well, when I was asked, it was Federico Poletti who rang me and said, would I like to do this exhibition? And I just thought, hmm, I didn't know much about it. I don't know much about Prato or I love Italian fashion and uh, I've always respected Italians in their view on how people look. And then I met him, slightly sceptical, thinking, is this a good idea? We met two or three times. I don't have an archive anymore. I sold my archive quite a long time ago. But fortunately, a lady on Instagram called, let me get this right, Lorraine Lipier bought an awful lot of Aussies. In fact, she's even got a stray dog called Ozzy because she's so enamoured with him, which I thought was rather amusing. And uh, she's very Californian and um, has looked after this collection beautifully. So she was able to put the whole collection together with me adding sketchbooks and the likes to, you know, enhance the show. I liked him. He was amusing and he came to my home in London. He was very excited to do it because his team are obviously really enamoured with Ozzy Clark, as well as I am, and I would do anything to keep the candle burning for Ozzy, because even though with all the problems, uh, he remains my favourite designer, without a doubt. Well, as you know, I have been an admirer right since the earliest years, but what I'm really interested in is going back to your early years, because... You started outside London, didn't you? you? You were living up north with your mother, but your mother was somebody who loved making clothes and was very skillful. When you came down to London, you met Ozzy Clark in the fashion school originally, I believe. Was that when you realised that you had a real skill with sewing and textile design? Did it come really early on? Well, I suppose I was brought up after the war, obviously, first teenagers to sort of hit the scene, think we don't want to dress like our mothers and had a viewpoint and thought we wanted to dress as we saw ourselves. I think the first person I noticed was actually Mary Quant. On the front of the Observer, many years ago at home, I saw her, she'd made a sort of sack dress in ticking with a pleated bottom. And I thought, you've just made me a dress like that, Mum. So she could make clothes. I never learned to sew. I wasn't interested in sewing. I'm far too impatient to sew. But I'd always draw... I always kept my little sketchbooks from being probably five. So I was always drawing my little peculiar people. Uh, my mother would try and copy, say, anything I'd see in a shop called Marshall and Snellgroves in Manchester. I'd take her there and say, I want you to make me something like that. And she'd try her best and indeed did a pretty good copy. I met Ozzy in Manchester. He was at Manchester Art School and I was at Salford Art School. And a great friend of ours called Mo McDermott introduced us. He looked like a beetle with a leather waistcoat and he then went to the Royal College of Art and I was already in London uh, having been given a little teaching job in Salford. But when I, when I came to London, I thought, gosh, I don't want to stay here anymore. It's too boring. 
and off I went to London and never went back. So I then met him again. I started to do a few textiles initially under Alice Pollock's supervision, who was his partner. And she said, do some prints and let's do a couple of prints for Ozzy. And uh, the rest is history, really. She encouraged me more than him. Well, it was a particular era, wasn't it? I mean, that era was the 1960s, sort of slithering into the next era in the 70s. And um, there was such a free spirit at that time. I, I know it turned into rather a druggy glamour. But um, Swinging London was a wonderful time and um, you and Ozzy, in a way, defined it, that sort of long, colourful, fluid clothes, I'd say. You were two absolute protagonists of the London scene in the, in the 1960s and 70s. But I think I've understood, haven't I, that what really happened was that you were both um, doing your own style of art and then you were looking after your small children and um, trying to keep the business ticking over while um, Ozzy himself was um, rushing around doing fashion things. But what I've never understood is, was there really a fashion movement or were you just individual people who loved each other or had fun with each other and it, something was born from that? I certainly loved him. I, I thought he was an amazing character. He wasn't really for me, but I absolutely loved his talent. I liked his style. Uh, what I didn't like, but in fact I did like to a degree, was he was a party person. He wanted to be a pop star. The whole movement at the time was music. Music was a dominant force. Cottage industries were popping up everywhere. Little boutiques were popping up. And although there'd been possibly a strong look from Videl Sassoon hair styles that I could never do because I've always had rubbish hair... Uh, um, there were certain looks that people followed, but I think he brought um, a relaxed vision of fashion. We didn't have to wear bras as much. We weren't as controlled as much. And his style and his amazing cut, which nobody nobody has been able to do since him for me, relaxed everything and became easier to dance in and have a lot of fun, I think. But then we were all young, so people do have fun, hopefully, when they're young. I do feel that that famous, famous um, picture by David Hockney really managed to catch not just you, not just you and Ozzy, but also the whole feeling of the moment that you've just been talking about. And do do you feel that, that it was a a kind of um, snapshot of life in London when you were both young and in love. The painting is so close to me. It's like part of me. I've seen it ever since it was painted and I'm. people talk to me about it a lot. And um, I think it's brilliant of Ozzy. I think he struggled with Ozzy's face and he got him very cleverly. And when we did the exhibition in uh, Warrington many moons ago, we actually borrowed the painting, which I was very impressed with, um, and they even borrowed, we even got a taxidermy to give us a white cat called Blanche, although he called it Percy, and they got the dress that I wore on a mannequin and the cat sitting at the side, which was a very nice touch. And I got to know that painting quite well then. It, it's just part of my life. I mean, it's just always been there. People always ask me about it. All my members of the family have got a poster on the wall of it. It's the most interesting 
Well, it's the most influential postcard, I think, that Tate has got. I don't know, you see, whether... For me, I'm probably too close to say what I feel as regards what you're asking me. One of the main things that I feel, because just we've hardly started our conversation and yet already I feel it, that things were so, so different in the fashion world then and now. Yeah. I can't imagine the current story when designers have to churn out collections at precise times, one after another. Um, Who was it who was telling me that he had to do eight collections a year? which seems impossible. How would you define fashion now, as you see it, compared to how it was then in your great years? When I opened my shop in 83, I was going to do either fashion prints or home prints. And I had two young boys and I thought, I need something that's easier. I want to carry on designing. And so it was a gamble whether I did more fashion prints. Obviously not with Aussie, which was a was a great sadness because I didn't think I could ever, ever connect in the same way as I had with Aussie as designers together who obviously worked brilliantly well. And so I, I went for the home and I spent 25 years doing home fabrics, um, which was much easier, much quieter, uh, because the pace of fashion by that time had increased, not like it is now, but it was it was beginning to develop... It's a huge money-making machine now, isn't it? It's incredibly businesslike. Then it was sort of innocent and you just paid, you know, you didn't really worry about money when we started. It wasn't an issue, money, which, of course, it's become big money now, hasn't it? And yet you still seem so relevant for today. I mean, the fact that you have been doing striking prints over the last 18 months, um, you must feel quite proud at the idea after what you've just said to me that, in fact, you are still relevant. You are still making clothes that women want to wear, even if the women are half your age, dare I say it, you know, a quarter of your age. I think so. I know. It's slightly odd being old, isn't it? Because when you get old, you think, I don't feel old in myself. I feel as relevant today as I've always felt. I feel like me. Then you look in the mirror and, of course, we all know what happens. We all get old. But I'm rather proud to think we have managed to get old and still be relevant. And, I mean, my work, I still feel about my work as I did when I was young, I think. I've always been very keen to make the best and do the best of what I can do. And I never allow anything out that I don't approve of, very rarely, because that's me. That's what I want to share. Gosh, I'm proud of that. It's marvellous, isn't it? Very, very lucky. Well, I think you made your luck. You also made, and you are still making, these wearable patterns that are really, um, they're, they're unique, which, of course, is why people are still so interested and involved in them. How, how do you, you've just talked about your um, own interest in, in how the prints work. What is it that you give to the prints that is so different or is so much in demand? I think you could tell me better than I can. I don't really quite understand it. I think I'm always looking, always, always looking, and I'm probably a bit of a bore about looking and criticising when I see television. I'll always see something that's probably irrelevant to the story, but I'll notice some shoes are wrong or the hat's too big or... I love looking, and so I... With my prints, I've always loved real flowers. I've always had flowers in the house. I'm always looking. So they're really a reflection on what I see. And they're quite, 
I suppose they're quite spiritual and um, I want them to be interesting, alive and witty. All the things that I like about people in life and I probably subconsciously, um, I don't draw from nature when I'm actually designing them. I go into a sort of state of uh, being and I know when they're right and I know when they're wrong and how... How explicit is that? I can't really tell you. It's a bit of a mystery, but I'm a, it's a happy mystery. Do you feel proud to have been encouraged by Italian people who, after all, do make the most beautiful fabrics and also the most beautiful patterns. They're generally so sort of engaged in fashion. And you have been chosen, you and and Ozzy's work, of course, have been chosen for this um, exhibition. Um, How did you feel when you were first approached? Were you excited? Were you amazed? Or did you think, yes, this is just what I should be doing? No, I was quite surprised because I've all, I mean, I did the collection with Valentino a few years ago. I worked with them and, I mean, the quality of the prints. I mean, they've always been the best for me. Italian prints have always been absolutely wonderful, the process of printing. And I also like Italian people. I like the way they look and I like their take on life. So it was quite an honour and I thought, well... And I liked the guy, he had a brilliant giggle, which made me laugh. And I thought, you're good, his English was terrific, and we liked each other. I think that's quite important, that uh, that we got on. And I, at first I thought, well, it's bittersweet, as you said initially. It is bittersweet, it always will be. But you can only carry so much of the bitterness around and... I like to have I like to look at a positive life and I think now only hopefully of the brilliant talent he had. So whenever I'm asked about Ozzy, I think shine a light on him because he was bloody good. Well you know that I was one of the earliest fans and I'm still a fan when I sold my clothes they were the only ones that I couldn't bear to lose. So I still have mine um and they but I'm looking forward of course to seeing the in the exhibition. Um, it's exciting to see it. But there's something that really is different, and you're expressing it now. Somehow designing clothes in the 1960s and 70s was, it was local, it was fun, it was done by friends. And now you sort of feel that if, if Ozzy and you were 30 years old now, you'll probably be paid a fortune by one of the international fashion groups. Do you ever feel that you should have been paid more with all that you've given including now to the fashion world, should Ozzy and you have been paid more, have been accepted more as somebody who contributed so much to fashion that they deserve to be paid for it? Well, one can always look back and think if he'd had a better manager, somebody who understood him, certainly not Radley because they never really understood him. They did try, but in fact they let him down. And um, I think he would have possibly gone a bit bonkers if he'd earned lots more money. I mean, who knows? He didn't have any money after after he sort of decided not to work anymore. And I know now if he'd had someone like Yves Saloon had, his uh, focus... I don't know whether he was controllable, actually, because it was such a time of dancing. Having fun was the priority, So whether that would have made any difference, I mean, 
he was quite spoilt. I mean, he they did try many things to make him work, and he had an enormous, wonderful, rare talent. But whether whether or not it would be different, I guess it would. Of course, it would be different. We're in a different different age, but I hope it probably would have been better for him and more constructive. But who could have done that? I don't know. Well, we have to live the life that we're given. We can't choose our own lives or the way we can only try and handle them. Well said. But it is wonderful now to think that the Prato Museum had decided to um, put this exhibition together. How do you feel now about being in an exhibition? Because after all, you're still making clothes. You're still part of the scene. Um, You're not just in a museum. Do you feel a sense of pride about it for you and of course for Ozzy that this exhibition and it's coming um, later to Milan in six months time I think so how, how do you feel about it you've made it to a museum the final recognition well I mean we had an exhibition many years ago retrospective we had one at the VNA we had one in Warrington which I'd I, I curated with a friend of mine, Brian Harris. That was a big exhibition. I was super proud of that. And that was just before digital uh, became, you know, the focus on how we all live. It was a little sort of, anyway, I won't talk about that, but the VNA put a rather good exhibition on. That was a, That was really engineered by Radley. I think it's a wonderful thing that it's Italian in a way, that the Italians wanted a couple that they recognised as a good couple who knew what they were doing. And when I saw some pictures of the exhibition, they've done a very, very, very sympathetic job on it, which I'm sure you'll see eventually. And my little granddaughter who said, I'll go and represent you, Grandma. And she's my eldest granddaughter. And... um, I thought, what a brilliant idea. And they absolutely loved her because she's very, very nice. And, I mean, she wasn't born when the, when when we were designing. In fact, when we did the show in Warrington, uh, her mother was pregnant with her. So she's just picked up facets of this life. And it's quite interesting for me. And they really loved her. She spoke and said very nice things and they asked her things and... I think on the whole, it's quite marvellous in a way. And it's in Italy. How wonderful. Somebody said that she looks like, I mean, I'm very pleased to hear this, that she looks like my drawings, which uh, pleases me. They've only got a few of my sketchbooks because it's that period between 67 and 70 something. I think my drawings are a bit silly then. But anyway, that's what they wanted. And they've got two lovely books of Ozzy's drawings, which are superb. And uh so she represented me. So it's all gone. It's all worked out very well for me. And I probably will go to Milan and see it there. Do you also feel that things that are shown in the museum, you had the luck of having one woman in particular who really had looked out for pieces of Ozzy Clark and had gathered them together? Absolutely. How how I couldn't have done it because I kept moving and finally we moved to a smaller house and we've got this little cottage in the country and I don't keep things like other people, designers do. I, I just like giving them away. I like people wearing them. I like people to share them. So it became a point where I just kept them for so long and then... She obviously was a huge fan and Bella, my, one of my granddaughters, said, well, Lauren Lepere's got a collection of Aussies. He's her favourite designer and um, she had all the ones we, we, we love. Not all, but a good collection of them. Enough to make a really nice exhibition. 
And what about you? What makes your heart beat of the clothes that you designed or wore or that bring you back to the memories of your husband? Is there one particular dress that really talks to your heart? Well, the one print that I think, um, there's a few that have got ridiculous names, but there's one called Mystic Daisy. And Mystic Daisy, I think, happened very quickly. I just was in my little workroom and I drew this print. And I always remember people saying, do me another Mystic Daisy. And so I suppose really in my heart that just came so easily and it was just a natural process that always speaks to people and so I'm very proud of that. strange now as a fashion editor to see how many designers get to a certain point and then they seem to crumble away. Of course I'm talking about people who are not doing their own collections, they are working for somebody and they've been there for quite a long time and then they somehow fade away. Do you think it's possible really to work for somebody else or do you have to as a fashion designer speak from your own heart and with your own blood? to make something that is really your own? Well, I suppose you can tell by talking to me that I am quite passionate about what I do. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I speak my mind about what I do in, in, in fashion. I'm working with Next, but I let things go that I'm not very keen on. But on the whole, they've been very attentive to what I want. We amuse each other with our ideas. I suppose the big lift-off was working with Ozzy because people recognise that amazing talent. I mean, I'm a decorative artist. I'm not a constructive artist. I can't do that. But I can embellish as well as anybody else, I would say. And I love doing it. So I think that shows I still love doing it. Until I'm sort of no longer around, I, I, I can't think of not doing it. I did a book a few years ago and I'm rather sad about the book because they're making a new book in Italy for this exhibition. But my book was produced at a time when, uh, I, I mean, I'm very proud. You, do you know my book? I do not know your book. I'm sorry to say. No, when, again, it was just lost. And I spent quite a long time doing this book. Actually, you should have one of my books. I should get you one. It was a rather good book and because uh, I'm not really in the world of publishing or anything it was with Quadrille and then they closed down it's they're not had a good time so the book really is um, something they're looking at in Italy and they're going to produce a book uh, alongside this exhibition which I think will come out in November so I think he I think he's so worthwhile Aussie and I'm so delighted to be part of his career and that's why probably I'm very happy to talk to you now. Well I am doubly happy to talk to you and um I'm probably could come round quite soon and bang on your door and um say I'm determined to see what you've got because I want to know what you decided to keep because that is also fascinating. Not very much. Because if I'd kept them, if they weren't in a suitable... Do you, are yours moth-free, the ones you've kept? I I remember you telling me you were wondering what to do with yours because I've got pictures of you in several of his printed dresses. Yes, well, I um, sold a lot of my clothes because normally I never 
I always kept them, but I couldn't bear to sell the Aussies, so I've got them. So I think I'll come round to see you for a cup of tea and show you what I've got. Well, your your career is amazing because you must have seen endless fashion. And I'm sure the moment you see something, you think yes or no very quickly. Well, yes. I mean, I, I always want to encourage the young generation, but I feel concerned now that they are made to work so hard so early on. Also, you know, it should be fun. Not always fun, is it? Well, it depends on your boss. I always think you must only work with people you like. If you don't get on with them, you're not going to really often win. And that's what I always say. I set a sights and if you like people and they like you and you're on a similar page, you might succeed. If you don't, beware. It's a very, very commercial world, isn't it? It is a commercial world, but then it's also an exciting world with new ways of making things and doing things. And I think we have to work with the things we have and that are presented to us. We can't change the world, even if we'd like to. Anyway, I'm so glad I had a chance to talk to you. Well, I'm thrilled you got to speak to me because I I can tell you're very impressed by the Italian fashion, which I think you should be. And you've followed Aussie and me for a long time. Well, if all the strikes disappear and if all the time slots fit in carefully, I will in three days be looking at the exhibition. And I can't wait. Congratulations on all that you've done. Thinking, of course, of Aussie and his great years. And lots of love to you and all your family. Thank you, Susie. Very nice. Thank you very much. I recorded this episode last week. And since then, I have been to Milan Fashion Week. And whilst there, I slipped away for a few hours and travelled to see this exhibition. How could I not? It's a label I used to wear back in the day. So seeing all the fabric designs and dresses was so evocative. This exhibition explores fashion in the past, yet it has an extraordinary ability to seem contemporary. I knew Ozzy Clark and Celia Burtwell in their younger years and it was extraordinary to see how the curator, Federico Poletti, show how Celia Burtwell looks back at days of British fashion flowering, for she defines the style of this particular era. This is a thoughtful and imaginative exhibition, and original in its subject. Creative Conversations with Susie Menkes is produced by Natasha Cowan, music by Jörg Zuber, graphics by Paul Wallace, and edited by Tim Thornton. To find my articles, visit susiemenkes.com and susiemenkes on Instagram. If you enjoyed the podcast, then please do rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can find me on all the usual channels.